Stand up, Nuggets Nation. It's now time for the Mile High Hoops Podcast with Zach By, Presented by Superbook Sports. On your home for the most Nuggets content. Denver Sports Station. 104.3 The Fan. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops Podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to a W in Oklahoma City. It was the good guys on top, 122 to 110. In a game that, for like a regular season game in early November, um, has a couple different layers to it that I think are um, just sort of like above the um, above the box score, above the you know final score of of an early November game. Um, a couple of those just right out of the right out of the gate. We'll um, talk about them each individually here. Um, but my biggest takeaway from the victory in Oklahoma City on Thursday evening, uh, Nikola Jokic uh, first and foremost passes Wilt Chamberlain on the all-time triple doubles list. Um, I, I say first and foremost because I, I think that in time, in time, that's the biggest takeaway from this game. Uh, a historic moment for a historic player. But but in the moment, so that's like the big picture takeaway, the thing that will like will resonate historically. But the big uh, the, the 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 in the moment biggest takeaway, and I do think there're two different things here. In the moment the biggest takeaway is the Jamal Murray maybe I'm back game. And, and I say maybe I'm back because we got to remind ourselves what Jamal looked like pre-injury. We have to remind ourselves what he looked like when he was uh in in the bubble there. And just remember what that standard is before we just assign, uh, hey, he's back. But damn, it's close. But damn, it's close. Jamal Murray was fantastic on Thursday evening. The Denver Nuggets do not win in Oklahoma City without Jamal Murray. And I think that's like the, um, I, I think I have to go back through game by game, but I think that's the first game that we can definitively say that about. That there is no way this team wins without Jamal Murray on Thursday night in OKC. In the in the third quarter and in the early fourth quarter, you got a Murray flurry that was confidence filled, that was a rigid movements. You know when he's trying to create that separation for the step back, and it's like a you know four or five six dribble combo move. You see that he is feeling himself a little bit. Uh, we can talk about the reverse dunk. How unique was that play? And and it, it just, the, the unorthodox nature of it, the improv nature of it in the air uh, there in that second half where he drives and throws it down. I mean, it, it, like, it, it looked like he was going to finish a reverse layup so and if you saw the play you know and even if you didn't see it in real time you probably saw it uh, on ESPN or on SportsCenter or something uh, or on Twitter Um, he drives down the middle of the lane and looks to adjust because he's got the defender right on his back and it's Dort and he's a bulldog uh, as Michael Malone referred to him after the game and it looked like he's using the rim as a protectant to get blocked and you're taught that you know from uh, you know your 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 youth you know coming up use that rim as a sealant for a potential block. So it looked like he was changing the layup angle at the last second from the middle of uh, uh, from a potential layup right over the middle of the rim to 
pulls it with one hand underneath to curl around to the left side of the rim. So, again, you can use that for, uh, as, as a sealant from getting blocked. But he turned his hand over and realized that he's high enough to dunk it, and he dunked it, and it was a reverse, but it was a one-handed reverse. Like, when, when's the last time you saw someone finish a one-handed reverse dunk? You just don't see it. I can't remember. Guys, I've been watching basketball for my entire life. Like, every single time that it's available to be on, um, more than likely it's on. I just can't remember a play quite like that. It was so unique. Um, just the nature of it. Like it wasn't some three stick, like 360 where he's coming around and he's ultimately like his back was to the hoop when he finished it. So I just think from an athleticism standpoint, getting back to where he was not thinking in that moment and having the athleticism to finish it in such an absurd way. It was such a signature moment within that basketball game that contained so much from Jamal Murray. And he finishes with 24 points in 33 minutes on 8 of 19 shooting. He was 4 from 6 from 3. Perfect 4 for 4 at the free throw line. He pulled down 5 rebounds, had 2 assists. You just love to see it. So as like we chronicle this like Jamal Murray return to hopefully the player that he was, um, and then beyond, right? And then beyond... Uh, that was a uh, a benchmark game, and then within a benchmark game, a benchmark moment uh, on that finish. And there was another one, like, you know, he had an opportunity to shoot like a 12-foot baseline uh, jumper, and he purposefully pulls it out. He drags the defender back out with the dribble, step back three, turns around and starts giving it to the fans. Like, Jamal had a certain spirit on Thursday night that, one, well, I mean, let Let's just say it. It's been kind of lacking here through the first seven games. And I don't think you can play with that spirit if if the productivity isn't there. And then you're seeing uh, the productivity uh, arrive in spades on Thursday night. And then there's the spunk. Then there's the spirit. Then there's the fervor from Jamal Murray. And you saw him getting after Michael Porter Jr. a little bit verbally. Like, this team needs that. This team needs more of an identity, more of a personality. And I think Jamal Murray um, was just what the doctor ordered in Oklahoma City on Thursday night. So that was a big deal. That was a very big deal. Um, Let's talk about some of the other stuff here. Aaron Gordon. Well, first of all, just the start to the game. And you can't talk about the start to the game without Aaron Gordon. Because this dude was so aggressive. The, the, the word that I wrote in my notes was actually echoed in the post game uh, from Michael Malone. But when I'm taking my notes, I wrote down relentless. I said, AG, so aggressive, comma, relentless. He just acknowledged that there wasn't one dude on the Thunder roster that can hang with him physically. And when he's that aggressive version of himself, and he has been that more oftentimes than not uh, this early, uh, in the early stages of this season – Hasn't been perfect, but more often times than not, you're seeing that aggressive nature. You saw it out of the gate against Utah. You saw it against um, um, Golden State, even though the results uh, uh, didn't show up there. Uh, Who else was it? You saw it against Portland. Um, Again, the results weren't there as as a team, um, but you saw that aggressive nature. You saw it against, you know, the Lakers this past Sunday. But but, but I'll say this, and it it was kind of weird. Um. 
and I didn't quite put it together in my head until I heard it on the broadcast that going into last night, and we're still forming the sample size, right? So it's, you know, you don't want to obsess over stats right now because uh, of it's just such a young season. But it was interesting to hear on the broadcast, and this was on the Altitude broadcast, when they said that Aaron Gordon has been averaging 22 points in losses and just eight points a game in wins. And I don't want to just overreact to it, uh, but but I just put it in my back pocket. Um, so it was really good to see him flourish as an individual in a Nuggets win. 27 points, 10 of 13 from the floor. He was 3 of 4 from 3. I mean, he had... Was it three? Was it three point? Uh, uh, um, three three pointers in that first quarter, or was it just two? I forget. I know it was two because he he hit the first one, and it, I think that was the first points of the game. And then he came back down. I I believe on the very next possession, uh, maybe there was one possession in between. I don't even think so though. When he hit that step back, it's not even a step back. It's a side step three. Uh, you see Steph do it. Um, you know, uh, it's kind of like a newer age. Uh, a step back, sidestep, um, but he, he like when 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 Aaron Gordon is like feeling himself, that's in his bag. Like he, that's that's a that's a rhythmic movement for him as a basketball player. He, you could tell he's done it uh, thousands and thousands of times. And um, not sure if I loved it in the moment, but it goes and it's like perfect, right? Um, he was great, man. He was great. He was great. He's been really good to start this season. Although defensively, and we'll talk about the defense here in a second uh, because, well, we'll get to it. Um, I said this on the last podcast. If you were an alien that knew basketball but just didn't know the Nuggets and you came and watched the first seven games of the season, you wouldn't be able to tell that um, on-ball defense was a hallmark of Aaron Gordon's game. That's still missing a little bit. Um, we'll see. Again, I don't want to overreact to um, – you know, things early in the season uh, because this is a marathon, but you also want to acknowledge things that do happen in games that matter, right? So it's that it's that fine line that we've been talking about here on the pod. Um, but that's just something that I guess we need to, like, keep our eye on, uh, I guess you could say, um, with the, the, the Aaron Gordon defense. Um, guys, the defense in general, let's just take a second and, and talk about this. Um, this is one of my biggest takeaways of the game. Right, we talk about the 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 in the moment takeaway Jamal. That's the biggest one. The big picture historical, the what we'll remember in time takeaway is um, Nikola Jokic passing Wilt Chamberlain for all time on the triple doubles list. And I do want to get back to that here in a second. But another one of these like in the moment takeaways that I'm going to keep be keeping my eye on is the defense, guys. It sucks. I mean, it is horrific. It is atrocious. It is atrocious. Just combine them. I mean, I was so discouraged watching this team uh, play on-ball defense and give up layups at the rim over and over and over and over again. Guys, 72 points in the paint for Oklahoma City. 72. They're a bad three-point shooting team. So what do you think that they want to do? I mean, that was the most ole defense that I have seen this team play. And 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 maybe there has been uh, games where it's been worse or just as bad. I just don't remember it off the top of hand. I mean, their shot chart, Oklahoma City's shot chart, must have looked like target practice from three feet out. I mean, just disgusting, deplorable defense. And Michael Malone talks about this group wanting to be a top five defense. 
they are a galaxy away from even having those conversations, let alone actually putting a top five defensive product out on the floor. They are a galaxy away. Um, and if it wasn't for as great as an offense that the Nuggets have, like from an integrity, from a basketball integrity standpoint, and the Nuggets won, and, and it's good that they won, but from a defensive pride standpoint, they did not deserve to win. They, they really didn't. I mean, go, it was so – I cannot emphasize it enough. Now, it's a it's – a, you do not apologize for road wins, okay, especially if you're Denver. Denver has, you know, struggled uh, on the road. They, they came in just one and three uh, away from Ball Arena, I believe it is. A perfect three and zero at home, but they've struggled on the road. And look, it, winning on the road is tough, especially against a young, hungry team that just doesn't stop playing. It's like these guys from Oklahoma City. It's like they don't even they don't even look at the score. They just compete and they compete and they keep coming. And that's why I mean, this thing was a this thing was a one possession game there uh, in that third quarter. Um, Oklahoma City uh, outscored Denver in that third quarter, thirty eight to twenty two, and then. And then let's 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 flip the coin over and look at the other side of it. The fourth quarter defense was so much better, so much better. So as as much as I um, am railing on the defense when they really needed it and it mattered most, they got the job done. But but excuse me, I have to take a drink. Um, but that uh, a lot of the the stretch of that better defense came in that fourth quarter when Michael Porter Jr. was on the bench. Michael Porter Jr. did not close this basketball game. Bruce Brown did. And I'll tell you what, Bruce Brown, who once again played major minutes, 32 minutes, okay, more than any other player on the bench, more than Michael Porter Jr. himself, just one minute less than Jamal. He, uh, Bruce Brown had 15 points, three of six from three, nine assists, five rebounds, a steal, a block, and guys, he didn't turn it over one time fantastic play continues from Bruce Brown and the way that he looks with the starters, okay, with the starters. It looks amazing. It looks awesome. And the way he's shooting it right now, I just told you he was three for six from three. Uh, He made uh, uh, multiple threes against the Lakers. Um, If you go back to the previous game against the Lakers, he was four or six from three. We saw him go three or four from three against Golden State. So really good early returns, uh, from beyond the arc from Bruce Brown, who right now in this young season is shooting 46% from three. Now that number's probably not sustainable, but shoot, man, the fact that we're even having this conversation is kind of the point. Got that high rainbow three too, man. That thing scrapes the ceiling. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, but I will say this, and, and, and let's just tell the full the full story about Thursday night with Bruce Brown. He wasn't great defensively either at the point of attack. So while uh, an upgrade and improvement to finish the game, like, no one played well defensively. No one did. Not KCP, not Jamal, not Aaron Gordon, not Michael Porter Jr. Uh, I, I think maybe the one guy that you highlight maybe in the fourth quarter um, was Jeff Green. You know, did, did a pretty good job there defensively, and because of it got that, like, you know, defense, you know defensive player of the game chain or whatever. Um, so that was cool. But uh, so, you know, tip of the cap to Uncle Jeff. But um, yeah, uh, so a mixed story here. Awful defense through the first three quarters, better defense to finish the, uh, a basketball game. Because think about these quarters 29 points for Oklahoma City in the first, 28 for them in the second, 
38 for them in the third, 15 points in the fourth. And the Nuggets just closed out the game. They doubled them up in the fourth quarter. They almost doubled them up, 29 to 15. That was the isolated fourth quarter uh, score. And that's why you, you end up uh, winning uh, 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 an NBA game on the road by double figures. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. Especially when you got a guy like Shea Gildress-Alexander who, I mean, I, I, just was, for me, the best player on the floor uh, was not Nikola Jokic or Jamal Murray or Bruce Brown or Aaron Gordon. It was Shea Gildress-Alexander. That dude is a freaking demon. A demon. Had scored 37 points, was absolutely unguardable. Um, when he was out there, Oklahoma City looked terrific. He was 13-17 uh, from the floor. Uh, he was great. He was absolutely great. But outside of him, no other uh, Thunder player uh, gets to the 20-point mark. Uh, Dort, right there on the doorstep, uh, 19 points. Giddy uh, with 16. I'm a big fan of Josh Giddy, even though he didn't play as well as he did against the Nuggets as he did uh, the, their first meeting of the season. Um, I thought I love Josh Giddy in that first uh, matchup. But, um, yeah, the Nuggets offense just too good. Like, when you get flashes, when you get flashes of what the, this, this offense can be and you got it in the first quarter when the game starts 13-0 to and the Thunder fans are like, they stay on their feet like they're watching a game in the Carrier Dome at Syracuse or one of these college, you know, venues has kind of got that vibe there. Um, it's 13-0 to and they have to call a timeout. How freaking awesome was that? But you get to see a flash of, you know, what this offense can look like when they're firing on all cylinders. And it's just so fun. It's just so fun. And hopefully, they're just scratching the surface. Now, uh, I want to talk about uh, Nicole Jokic making history, passing Wilt Chamberlain. That's just insane. It's absurd. We've been talking about the run-up to this for a couple years now. Um, shared the story on one of the previous podcasts. I forget it was the last one or the one before. It's like I was doing the math like three, four years ago. Like, oh, my gosh, he can – if he keeps up this pace, he's going to – He's going to pass Will Chamberlain in triple doubles. And just that realization of that was, was pretty funny for me because I was doing the math at the time of the podcast. Like, I'm doing it in real time as I was recording. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's going to, he's going to pass Will Chamberlain by, by the time he's 30 years old. And then he does it before he turns 28. 79 triple doubles is now sixth all time. That trails only LeBron James, Jason Kidd, Magic Johnson, the big O, Oscar Robertson, and Russell Westbrook. It's still kind of crazy to see Russell Westbrook's name at the top of that list. Um, but that's, like, that's where we're at. Like, that's where we're at. That's where Nikola Jokic is in between Wilt and LeBron on the all-time triple-doubles list. Just sandwiched right in between. It's just freaking awesome, man. It's just awesome. Of course, he downplayed it after the game or whatever, and, you know, that's just who he is. Uh, but that was a historical benchmark that is just – it's legendary – Status personified. Legendary status personified. But I will say this about Yoke in this young season. He is skinning this cat this season in such a purposeful manner. I don't even know if I like it. Let me just start there. Nikola Jokic, I have it here in my notes. Uh, His first bucket came with two minutes and 40 seconds left in the second quarter. There is nobody... And I repeat, there is no one on Oklahoma City that can guard Jokic. If Jokic wanted to go out there and score 50, he could have gone out there and scored 50. And it's just a purposeful effort. Now, I don't know if it's best for the team in the moment. Like, there was moments last night, and I'm like, okay, dude, you have a layup. You have a four-foot touch little, you know, Jokic floater that we're so accustomed to. 
and he's kicking it out to his teammates for three. And in the moment, I don't know if that's best for the basketball team. Okay? I don't know if that's best for the basketball team in the moment. But I think it, from Jokic, he, he, I think he's operating from 20,000-foot view. And I think that he is um, going about his business above the X's and the O's and is trying to get his teammates, mainly Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and Aaron Gordon, fully lubricated as offensive players. So when that everything's on the line, um, they are fluent in what they're trying to do offensively. And the thinking is out of it, and the maturation process is complete. Like I, That's how I think he's, he's operating here. He's not actually thinking about beating the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's worried about the second round of the playoffs and getting these guys where they need to be. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, because what was best for the Nuggets, I think, uh, last night uh, on Thursday evening in Oklahoma City was not for him not to shoot the basketball until, you know, under three minutes left in the second. Now, he ended up shooting uh, the ball nine times. And he had a stretch where he scored like six, six it felt like six or eight straight points because he was just like got frustrated with something or whatever it was that pissed him off. And he just, you know, ends up with 15 points, uh, 14 assists, 13 rebounds. He did turn it over 10 times, okay? Um, but... Um, didn't take a three uh, for just a second time uh, this season. Uh, didn't take a three in a game. Um, okay, we'll just continue to monitor it. It's just really different. It's really different. I can't decide whether I absolutely love it and it's just next level chess or um, I'm not in love with it <laughs> because you're not maximizing uh, the potential dominance uh, that you can have on, on any given night. Um, okay, Zeke Naji rolls his ankle. Played a couple minutes, looked um, energized, uh, right, and for good reason, right? He's he's struggling to find minutes. Pulled down five rebounds in five minutes. He was very active. He was on the offensive glass, pulled down three offensive rebounds, uh, had a a putback, um, finished with four points. It wasn't perfect. He had a a, a potential dunk or layup stripped from him, Um, you know, uh, but then he rolls the ankle. You know, he saw him stay down there and had to be helped off the floor. Um, Zeke just can't get right. I don't know what, I don't know what uh, uh, to, to say. Uh, just, just bad luck uh, for Zeke. Um, you know, I heard Malone say, I wanted to give him some minutes uh, after the game to, to keep him engaged. I actually didn't love that answer. Um, you should be playing your guys and your, your, your first round draft pick in his third year, because that's what's best for the basketball team, not to keep someone engaged. Um, but be that as it may, we'll follow that story and see how long he's, uh, he's going to be down for. Okay. Um, I think that's all I got here. Just coming over my notes here real quick. I think that's all I got. Uh, the nuggets go to five and three. Um, it's too early to be looking at standings. Um, but just for the hell of it right now, they'd be, uh, avoiding the play in with the six seed again, just way too early, uh, five and three after eight games. Uh, what's next on the docket? is um, the Spurs, the San Antonio Spurs. That game will be on Saturday evening uh, at home at Ball Arena at 7 o'clock. And then on Monday, they'll turn around and play San Antonio in San Antonio. And whatever happens against the Spurs over the weekend and Monday night, guys, you know we'll be talking about it on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Please 
rate, subscribe, tell a friend. It's the best way you can support this thing, uh, and I would sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. Okay, everyone, have a great weekend. Be good to each other. Enjoy it. Uh, watch some football. Watch some basketball. Stay, stay safe, and we'll catch up uh, this coming week on the Mile High Hoops podcast.